The voice of reason. The voice of alarm. The voice of stats. The voice of scouts. The voice of Kool-Aid. The voice of dismay. The voice of Dave Well, to be honest, that could not have started off much worse for the Royals. As they are spanked. They are destroyed. And they are humiliated by the Minnesota Twins who outscore KC 21-5 in route to a three-game sweep by a team that most believe will lose 90-plus games. And a team the Royals went 15-4 and against last year. It's Davo, and I'm glad you're along for your series recap with the Twins and series preview and predictions against the Astros coming up a bit later as well here on Clubhouse Conversation. So doing it a bit differently this year, doing a series thing, with breakdowns after each series, and we kind of look ahead towards the next one as well. And where do we start at today? I guess by clarifying a couple of things. Number one, my comment at the beginning of this was that things couldn't get much worse. And that's true. The only way it could have gotten worse is if the Royals would have had a major injury or injury in general. Escape Minnesota and the cold, especially the opening day as I was up there. Man, it was cold. About 47 degrees by the end of that game. On Monday, but escaped there without any more injury. So that's good. Jorge Soler, the only Royal that's on the DL at the moment. And I do think Brian Flynn probably would have made the team had he not fallen through a barn in Oklahoma. But I digress. But that's about the only way that I can say things couldn't have been much worse. The only way they could have been much worse is injury. So let's get that out of the way. Number two, I've been hearing a lot of tweets at Royals Clubhouse. Hey, Davo, are you sticking by your prediction that the Royals will win the division? Yes. It's three games. Does anybody think the Minnesota Twins are going to win or compete for the American League Central? If the answer is no, which it most likely is, you can't automatically also assume the Royals are going to be in last place and not competing in the American League Central. It's three games. In fact, the Royals were swept in Minnesota back in April of 2015, and things turned out just fine. Had this been a sweep in the middle of June or July, yeah, it would suck. But it wouldn't be the end of the world. And if the Royals end up playing 500 ball, let's say, this month, is that that big of a deal? No. Can the Royals come back from 2-4 and four on the road, on this road trip? Easily. Can the Royals come back from 1-5? and five? Yes. It might take, you know, uh, through the next to the next homestand, onto the next road trip to get back up there. But, yeah, they can. Now, 0-6... Oh Will I be nervous? Yes, a little bit. I mean, people have also asked me, where's my panic level right now? I'd say it's about 3.5 on a 1-10 to 10 scale. If the Royals come home 0-6, it'll be at about a 6.5 at that point. But it's not the first week of May, guys. And people are saying, oh, they're going to blow the team up, Davo. It's, you know, if they don't get out to a, a, oh, a torrid start, everyone's going to get dealt. That's not how this works. In 2017, out of the 15 American League clubs, about 9 or 10 of them will realistically be in the playoff hunt at the deadline with two wild cards now. The chances of the Royals not being in the wild card hunt at that point aren't good. And we've seen before they're a second-half team multiple times. Seen before they're a warm-weather team. And this team's staying together if they're anywhere close to even a wild card. So I don't think there's any, like, you know, people are acting like, oh, by April 20th, if they're not over 500, or if they're not in first place by May 15th, they're just going to blow it up. That's not how this works. you got plenty of time. There's still about 60% of the season left until the trade deadline. So let's just take a deep breath and... You know, if you're going to have that kind of attitude, I appreciate it. I appreciate that you care about the games. 
but you can't have a, a football mentality in Major League Baseball. And I made a tweet earlier today, and I wasn't trying to be a dick, for, or for better terms. I was not trying to be a dick. But I tweeted out that a number of Royals fans, and, and most will agree, probably 50 to 60% are newer fans. Yeah, they can say they've always liked the Royals, and they had their one Royals t-shirt, and they'd go out to the K two or three times a summer and drink beer and laugh at how bad they were. But they weren't real Royals fans. I'm talking about people who paid attention to the games. People who went to opening day for more than tailgating. People who know who Emil Brown is. People who know who Scott Ellerton is. People who know who Esteban Herman is. Heck, people who know who John Nunnally is. On and on. I'm talking about Royals fans who have been through this and who understand baseball. I'm not trying to completely degrade people, but it bothers me when I see people online who obviously have no idea what they're talking about. The number one thing is personal attacks toward players. It's ridiculous. especially It's ridiculous, period, but especially after three freaking games. We're three games in. That's nothing. If the Royals were 1-2, and two, would anybody be panicking right now? That's a one-game difference. If the Royals were 2-1, and one, nobody would be panicking. They're one or two games off, man. I mean, they could easily make that up. There's 159 games left. Or on the first drive of the second quarter right now in week one of a football game, if you want to look at it in football terms. Some of the comments, I mean, I, I can tell who a lot of the people make in the comments. The most ignorant are usually the loudest. And you can see a lot of the people that you read online and hear calling in the talk shows and calling in radio shows. I mean, they don't know what they're talking about. They're they're clearly people, a lot of these people, as I saw somebody today on the KC Star website in the game thread comment saying that Raul Mondesi is a liability on defense. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true if you've seen him play three games your entire life and didn't know who he was. Raul Mondesi could easily be the most plus defender the Royals have out there, tools-wise, and that includes Salvador Perez. Uh, I mean, yeah, he didn't make a play today, and we'll talk about that in a bit. But he's he's now a defensive liability, according to some people on. And, and I love pe- people too that like only talk trash about Escobar and Mondesi's offense. Like the two guys who are there the least to provide offense are now the scapegoats. Paul Orlando somehow has a scapegoat, even though he had the only RBI in Game 2. Even though he walked today, he got a hit today, he scored a run today. He's also a fourth outfielder, guys. He's not going to be in the lineup if things go as they are planned to the entire season. So, anyway, we'll get into a lot of things here. I just want to get that out there. I, I'm not concerned, you know. Between a 3 and a 4, my concern level is where I'm at right now. It's fine. Does it suck going 0-3? Absolutely. Am I with you that I was a bit depressed? Absolutely. I'm totally with you. There's nothing wrong with being depressed and disappointed and let down. But, I mean, the longtime Royals fans, and I see some people, too, saying, well, those of us who were here from, you know, 1995 to 2008 have the right. I was there with you. I understand that. I've been living and dying every game since 1989. I'm with you. But this is not the same Royals bunch as those teams. This is a Royals bunch that's 14th in payroll, $145 million payroll. This is a Royals bunch that has gone to two of the last three World Series. This is a Royals bunch who had, within reason, the most injuries they could last year and still won 81 and 81. This is a Royals bunch that's playing for each other, that's playing for Ventura, and that's playing for contracts next year. Had they started 2-1 and one right now, nobody would even be talking about this. It's a two-game difference or a one-game difference from, you know, just let it go, people. Now, let's get into this series and then preview the next one. Sorry I got off on a little tangent there, but I'm, I'm very defensive about my Royals. I love my Royals and my team. And I respect you because 99% of people listening to this are diehard Royals fans their entire life. 
I get that. So I'm preaching to the choir here, but it, it frustrates me when I see people who obviously don't know very much about baseball and who obviously weren't big Royals fans. You know, I'm talking about the people who went to two, two games a year and watched like eight games a year on TV, part of them. And now all of a sudden they watch 130 games a year. It's great. That's how every city is. And that's what has to happen for a team to be 14th in payroll with $145 million payroll. I get that. Totally get that. That's what has to happen. That's natural. But I'm just saying those same people annoy me when they jump off and start attacking players and start acting like the season's over after three games. Then go do something else. Quit wasting your time and quit wasting our time. And quit wasting precious internet space that Al Gore invented. All right, so let's get to this one. The Royals completely imploded in this series. Wow, real breaking news there, Davo. 23 walks allowed in three games. That is like 7.2, almost 7.1, whatever, 7.16, whatever it is. Over seven walks a game. Two of them were intentional. That's a sad thing. 21 of them were <laughs> legit. And how many of them were leading off the inning? Like 90% of them? Why do these guys always walk guys to start the inning? 14 runs allowed by the bullpen in three games. So that's 4.8 runs a game by the bullpen. First two games, we saw 12 runs scored in the seventh inning. You kind of have to to look at this series as the first two games and the third game. The first two games were just an old-fashioned ass-beating. Embarrassing. Today's game was not embarrassing. Today's game was a game. And the Royals had a chance to win this one, and they played for the most part... Okay, you can't say they played pretty well. I'm not going to go that far. But they played decent today. There were some things that were, were, were good today. And, and that's something to take solace in a little bit. But obviously, the Royals walked guys again today. And by the way, a lot of people are talking, oh, Nandiosis, horrible. Nandiosis made one bad move in this entire series, and that was bringing Jason Hamill back out to lead off the sixth inning when he walked the leadoff hitter after that long fifth inning. And I know he was only in the low to mid-80s pitch count-wise, but I tweeted before that happened that he should not be bringing back out Jason Hamill. You could just see it was going to happen. And I get you're playing a string of five days in a row, and you don't, you know, you, you want to get a little stretcher rotation out, especially considering this one could have gone extra innings. So I, I get that, but I didn't think that was a smart move. But Ned was fine in this series. That's the only thing. And he's progressed quite a bit. A potential platoon with Brandon Moss? We never would have seen in the past, you know, a high-dollar guy in the second game of the year, not playing against a lefty when he's a lefty, even though the stats say that's a smart move. We wouldn't have seen that in the past. We've seen him be mix and match with Moylan and situational lefties and such. I thought Ned did a nice job in this series. And, you know, it's it's tough to say that when you go 0-3, but the only bad thing was the, uh, the Hamill thing today is what I saw. But to me, the biggest play in today's game, we mentioned it towards the top, was the no play by Ra- Raul Mondesi in the bottom of the second inning. So uh, Jason Hamill... Down one nothing at that point, and has Eddie Rosario at the plate, and he gets a tailor-made four-six-three double play ball, and you can't charge an error on a double play because you can't assume a double play. So Mondesi was not charged an error, but the play should have been made. The Royals just got the force out on that as he bobbled and kind of shoveled the ball over. But it should have been you know four-six-three out of the inning. Royals down one nothing. Instead, Royals were down two nothing, and that would become a big play later on. The Royals lost the game by two runs, so obviously one run is big in that regard. But it would have changed the way things were played. Maybe change a little confidence, a little spark in the Royals' dugout. Maybe change how they were offensively. Maybe change how the pitching was done today. I mean, you never know. But I'm just saying, to me, that was the biggest play in this game. You're 0-2 to start the series, you know, and you got a guy who's up here for his defense and his speed. Yeah, 
do I think, you know, the, the moron on KC Stars' website, no, the guy's not a defensive liability, but does he need to make those plays? Yes, but these guys aren't robots. He's, you know, he's going to make 15 or 20 plays like that this year. That's how it is. Now, besides Mondesi, the other two players, like I mentioned, Escobar and Orlando keep getting hate, the 7, 8, 9 hitters. And yeah, of course they've been bad, but who hasn't in this offense besides Moose and Perez the first three games? But Escobar, even after, I'm seeing these hating, you know, hateful things about him over and over, even after he had a key one-out run scoring double in that fifth inning, people are still whining about Escobar. Oh, he never changes his approach. He tries to pull everything, and, and there is some truth to that. I, I will give you about 40% of that is true. There, is some definite, there are times where he gets pull happy, and he still has this fantasy that he's going to hit 10 home runs in the major leagues at some point. But in your contract year, and your you know low 30s, A, it's not the time to be trying to change your approach and continuing to try to do that, and B, you probably are what you are offensively at this point, right? He's a veteran player at this point in his you know, early 30s. That's probably not going to change. But, yeah, I do think at times he should take the ball the opposite way more. But I digress. doesn't matter. Beside the point, you know, the eight, nine hitters in this lineup are not going to hit a lot. But there's a lot of lineups that don't have great hitters in the eight, nine spot. And I think Mondesi will improve as the year goes on. Paulo Orlando should not be a whipping boy at all. He had Casey's only RBI in game two. Today had a hit, run scored, and a walk. And he's a fourth outfielder. Like I said, he shouldn't even come 14 to 17 days from now. Shouldn't even be in the lineup more than once or twice a week, unless there are injuries or guys struggling. And it's also too early to harp on individual stats. But if you're going to, you know, let's harp on the guys who are paid to hit the baseball, you know? Alex Gordon off to a tough start, OPSing 237, Hosmer 364, Brandon Moss 143. You go down the list, there's really only two guys in this lineup that have been consistently good, and that's Moose and Perez. But again, it's three freaking games. You can't tell anything. Those guys I just mentioned, Hosmer and Moss and Gorin, could go out and get two or three knocks tomorrow or a couple of hits and a walk, and their OPS is up to like 700. <laughs> you know, you can't. It's such a small sample size. So let's not point fingers, guys. It's, it's stupid. There was some fight today out of the Royals, which was nice. That you know, The hallmark of this team the last couple, three years, has been whenever they give up a run, they come back and tie it up, or they come back and get that run back. We saw that in the sixth inning as... The Royals tie it in the fifth, and they give it right back in the bottom of the inning, but then come back and tie it at three in the sixth on Moose's second home run of the season. So it's nice to see the Royals do that, fight back there. They then, of course, that inning end up getting the bases loaded with one out and couldn't get another run. That was big. And a couple guys on base in the seventh, another guy in the eighth. The Royals had chances today. They battled. They had better at-bats. They got guys on base today. They're still swinging at too many pitches out of the zone. But that's who they are. That's who they've always been, and you know, you can rein it in a little bit, but you don't want to completely change who these hitters are because these guys have still, this core has still won a World Series, been to two World Series, and made the Royals competitive the last four seasons. So you can't just totally ditch that. I do think it's good that the Royals get out of Minnesota, use the human element. I mean, think about if you and I were out there feeling frustrated or beat down or unlucky or depressed. We would like a change of scenery. It's nice. You go on a date with one girl who makes you feel like crap, you go on a date with another one, it makes you feel like crap at the same restaurant. But then you the third one, you go to a different restaurant, new scenery, it goes better. All of a sudden, you feel better. I mean, that's a horrible <laughs> comparison. But, I mean, human nature, you go to one ballpark, get your brains beat in, in the cold. Now you get to go to a warm dome in a different city and say, screw it, let's start over. You know, and the Royals have a couple nice opportunities to score runs, I believe, too, this weekend that we'll talk to here in a little bit. So I think it's good to get out of Minnesota. If the Royals can come home two and four at this point, they're perfectly fine because that means they've won two out of three against arguably 
the best team in the American League or a top three team in the American League. I think a lot of people have automatically, I mean, I guess Cleveland's already won the World Series if you ask anybody else. But I mean, most people would say Cleveland, Boston, and, and probably Houston might be your top three teams in the American League. So if the Royals go in and win two, that's great. They come home two and four, they're fine. Now, if they go in and win one, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to be thrilled with that, but. At least you can say, okay, it was a horrible road trip. It's over, though. Royals come home for a, a nine-game stand, I believe it is. You know, you come home and you get back within a game or two of 500 before you go back on the road, and you end up over 500 for the month of April. And if the Royals are going to get where they need to get, win the wild card and or win the division, you know, they can afford one or two months of 500 baseball. They cannot afford a month of 10 games under 500. That's for sure. But you're not going to lose. You, you can't. The old adage is you what? You can't lose it. You know, sorry, you can't win a division in April, but you can lose one. That's true. There's a lot of credence to that. So, um, you know, Royals get out of They can have one or two months of 500 ball or a game under as long as they have one or two months where they go six, seven games over. So just remember that it's a long season. They can pluck away at this as long as they're within three games of 500 at the end of April. They're still very much in things. So just calm down. Even if they go one and five coming home. Now, if they go 0-6, then I will begin to get a little nervous as well, because then that's do-or-die time. You, I mean, you you can't start off 11 games under 500 or 10 games under 500 at the end of April if you're the Royals. So I do agree with that. So, you know, it's not quite panic time yet, but a week from now, if if we're sitting seven games under 500, then it'll be time to start kicking it in the gear and, and start worrying a little bit. So I'll give you that. So that's where I'm at uh, with where things are. Pitching-wise in this series, Kennedy, Hamill, not impressing at all. After Duffy was great, what I think he had 19, is it 18 or 19 swing and misses on Monday. Phenomenal amount of swings and misses. Looked great out there. Really did. Jason Hamill though today five plus innings, three runs on six hits, four walks, two Ks. Should have been two runs. I get you know had Monty made to play, but still not a, not a good outing. Ian Kennedy five innings, five Ks, but five walks. I thought he got squeezed badly yesterday. Could have been a little bit of a different story. Same thing with Monday. Had the Royals gotten that that first out in the seventh inning on the sacrifice bunt that was first called out and then overturned, you have runner at second with one out. You never see an intentional walk of Dozier two hitters later, and the whole inning could have been different. The Royals may have won that game very easily on Monday, and you know maybe if Kennedy gets some calls Wednesday. But you know, in the end, Soria was nice as, as tidy scoreless eighth today. Peter Moylan. Had two scoreless appearances. Those were nice. Matt Strom, I'm not worried about, guys. He's fine. It's command and mechanics. Same thing. Mechan- you know, Mechanics, command, results. Same thing. When he can repeat his delivery and get it back to where it needs to be, get the release point where it needs to be, You know, get off the, he- the heel a little bit. I mean, there's certain things he can do. I'm, I don't claim to know. I'm not a pitching coach, so I can only be basic about this. I don't have the answers, but I do know Dave Island does. Strom will be fine. Mike Miner looked good. Getting three out of four hitters on opening day, not good today. Getting his field back, I think he'll be okay. He's tagged with a loss today. Nathan Carnes, as of now, isn't a reliever, so we won't talk about the Grand Slam home run. <laughs> what Wood walked eleven lefties all of last season, I think it was, and you know he's not going to keep walking two, three lefties per series. That's not going to happen. So, and, and if things continue to go bad, and the Royals are still defining roles out there in the pen, if they go bad, there's some reinforcement. Scott Alexander's one call away, who had a very nice spring. Brian Flynn, probably about three three to four weeks away from being able to come up. A guy who I really liked last year out of the pen. Very underrated guy. And you've got some guys like Kevin McCarthy that have big league time. You've got some other guys down there like Soramo that had nice camps. Yonder Soramo and um, Andrew Edwards that can top out at 100 miles an hour. Sits 96, 97. 
So there's a lot of nice arms down there. You've got Stalmont towards the end of the year, maybe Kyle Zimmer towards the mid-end of the year. They'll be okay in the bullpen. I'm not, Dayton Moore has always been able to do bullpens. Now, will they be the best bullpen in the league? No. Will they be the best bullpen in the division? No. Will they be an average American League bullpen? Yes, I do think they'll be average. So with that said, it's like Jake Lutz and I said, our clubhouse conversation insider said in our preview, they're going to have to score runs this year. They're going to have to score four, five, six runs a night. The starting rotation, I think, is average to slightly above average, and I think the bullpen's average, defensive way above average, and I think the offense will end up being a little above average. Put all that together with the intangibles, I think this is a playoff ball club, and I still think there's a damn good chance at winning the AL Central. I'm sticking by my prediction there. Jorge Soler is going to help the lineup. Brandon Moss will get going. And and give Minnesota some credit. Let's not just totally – I hate that, and, and we all do it, myself included. We always want to blame our, our team or our side – Give Minnesota some credit, man. Santana, Santiago, Gibson threw the ball well. Sano and Castro were offensive killers. The Royals must have thought that Jason Castro was Joe DiMaggio up there. Would they walk him seven times in the series? Castro got some great calls on defense. Anything within a foot, anything within Duluth, you know, within Duluth at the ballpark was called a strike. A nice tweet sent out today by Sean Newkirk, one of my favorite writers from Royals Review, showing that. Encourage you to follow him. On Twitter, Brian, By- Byron, Brian, whatever the fuck, heck his name is, sorry. <laughs> I caught it before I said the F-bomb. I said, heck. <laughs> I almost dropped my first ever F-bomb on Clubhouse Convo. That's kind of fun. Glad you're here for that. Didn't, though. Caught it. Just barely. But Byron Buxton, you know, what kind of leather was he throwing out there, especially opening day? All over the field, the Twins are making phenomenal plays. They look like the Royals, right, in the last couple of years. So tip your cap and move on. It's three games. We'll see what happens. Now, Royals, like I said, have to get at least one this weekend. Let's talk about the Astros. Two would be ideal and get them right back on track. Houston's 3-0 and at the moment against the Seattle Mariners. They won the first three. And as we speak, it's 2-2 two to two in the sixth. Seattle and Houston are playing. So the Astros will either be 4-0 or 3-1 and when KC sees them tomorrow. Listen to this lineup. This is just a lineup from yesterday. George Springer, who to me is a, a guy that could win an MVP in his career. I think he's a dark horse MVP candidate at some point during his career. George Springer leading off. Alex Bregman, who could be a superstar, hitting second. Jose Altuve, last year's batting title champion, hitting third. Carlos Correa, a possible future Hall of Famer. I think that highly of him, hitting fourth. Carlos Beltran, a potential future Hall of Famer, hitting fifth. Josh Ruddick, who hit 300 a few years back, hitting sixth. Evan Gaddis, who can hit you 20-plus home runs if he's playing every day, easily, hitting seventh. Brian McCann can be in there. With Gaddis rotating between catcher, first base, DH, Marwin Gonzalez, they have Noria Oki on the bench, on and on and on. But the first six in that lineup, George Springer, Bregman, Altuve, Correa, Beltran, Reddick. It's a sick lineup for the Astros. The back end of the pin is very, very good as well. They've got a very good bullpen. Closer, of course, Ken Giles. They have Will Harris out there, Luke Gregerson, on and on. Let's go through the pitching matchups, though, for this series. Uh, Friday night, tomorrow night, game one, Jason Vargas, Mike Fires, both making their first start of the season. Vargas, a very nice spring for what it means. 3.86 ERA and 23 and a third. Made three September starts last year. Did Vargas. What do you hope for out of him tomorrow? You hope for five plus innings and three runs. Five plus innings and two runs. Six innings, three runs. Something like that. You want the quote unquote quality start or near it out of him. Mike Fires, the Royals have lit up throughout his career. The Royals have tagged him to a 6.46 ERA with an 0-2 record lifetime against KC last year 
overall for the season, Fires very, very average to below, well, below average because it's the American, you know, not good. 11 and 8 with a 4 4 8. I guess you could call them average for what he was, whatever. But did have a nice spring training, 1.98 for what that means. Advantage, Royals. I think they'll be able to hit Mike Fires, Eric Hosmer, and Alex Gordon. Both will be visiting Dongtown Friday night as my fearless prediction. That's my fearless prediction for this dish. One of them for sure. Both of them, though, is a high probability. Well, not high. Okay, that's not. One of them is a high probability, in my opinion, and I think there's a good chance that both of them visit Dongtown tomorrow. I like it. I, I like this matchup for the Royals. I, I like the Royals' bats to wake up in a big way. Royals win this game 7-4, to four, something like that. I think they get their first one of the season tomorrow night. I like him again on Saturday. Danny Duffy, Dallas Keuchel. Duffy much more of an ace at this point, in my opinion, than Keuchel is. Duffy, six innings, one run, eight Ks, three walks opening day. Saw the Astros only once last year. I believe that was, I forgot to check what that was. There was a, it, was, it was only 11 at-bats that he saw the Astros. I believe it was the game. Didn't he have a game where he, it wasn't a blister. He had something, some small thing, and I think it was that game against the Astros last year. Only 11 combined ABs against Duffy a season ago. Now, Keiko, let's talk more about him because we know all about Duffy. I, I believe we'll see Danny Duffy go seven innings, two runs, two or three runs in this kind of game. And then the Royals can score three or four runs, they'll win on Saturday. And I think they can. Dallas Keuchel comes off a miserable season after a, a Cy Young-type campaign, obviously, in 2015. Last year, 9-12 and 12 with a 4.55. Now, first time out was good against Seattle. Seven shutout innings, four hits, four Ks, and two walks. The Royals can put the ball in play against him. I like their chances. And last year, they hit him around pretty good in their start against him. They got four runs off of Keuchel last year, including home runs from Alcides Escobar which is nice, a little short left field porch there in Houston. Chesler Cuthbert took him deep as well. So likely to see Cuthbert again for Moss? I would assume so. And that's one thing. Wasn't that interesting to you that the Royals, I don't know if it's a full-time platoon quite yet, but I would think it might be. Game two, you're already pulling Moss out to put Cuthbert in. I think I like it, but a part of me also says it's, you know, I kind of wanted Moss after a, a day off to, you know, get those three at-bats, but, you know, whatever. I don't have a problem with it, but I, th- I found it interesting that Ned Yost already, you know, we don't we don't see that. Yost doesn't believe in platoons, and it may not be a platoon, but it seems pretty weird to put in game two a guy that you're paying several million dollars to on the bench in favor of Cuthbert. So, I'm, with that said, I'm pretty positive considering Cuthbert took him deep that he'll be in the lineup again on Saturday. Now, Sunday, the Royals are 2-0 in my book going into Sunday. They lose on Sunday. I like Houston to win. The last one on Sunday is Nate Carnes in his 54 ERA after the grand slam he gave up to Eduardo Escobar. It faces Lance McCullers, Mr. Throat Slash himself, who's 1-0 with a 1-5-0. Good news for Carnes. He got two outs in that game. Both were strikeouts. Is that good news? I don't know. I guess if you're a fantasy player, it means he only got you like negative seven points instead of negative 14, I don't know, 12. I don't know. Trying to look for silver linings. McCullers, six innings, one run on five hits against Seattle with seven Ks and 88 pitches. And like I said, they have great arms in the pen behind them. So my final prediction is I think the Royals win two of these three games in Houston, but for sure one. And again, guys, if they go 0-6 on this road trip, then my my concern level jumps up to a six, six and a half, something in that range. So I'm with you. You know, they can afford... Maybe two to three series all year like this one against Minnesota. Literally. They can probably only have two more series like this where they get swept and get their ass beat. You know? Because teams that make the playoffs have one or two series like this, but not more than that. And certainly, even if they get swept four times, you know, they aren't walking 75 hitters and, you know, 
So I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens. And their bullpen's not giving up a 774 ERA. So certainly teams that make the playoffs only have these kind of series once or twice, maybe three times a year max. So the Royals need to not have one of these series again. They need to kick off the season and start it over. You're 0-0, zero zero, go down and get two games in Houston and come home in decent shape as you begin a nice long homestand on Monday. We'll talk to you again sometime Sunday evening as we'll do a dish pretty much 90% of after each series. So you'll probably hear from me about what? 35, 40 times, something like that, 40 times this year. So we'll be on with you several times throughout the year, every two to three days after each series. So we'll talk to you again at some point late on Sunday. Thanks for listening to the inaugural series edition of The Dish. As always, want to hear from you, your thoughts, Dave O at clubhouseconversation.com. You can find me on Twitter, at Royals Clubhouse, and of course on Facebook. You can like us as well, Clubhouse Conversation. Have yourself a great remainder of your Thursday evening slash whenever you hear this over the weekend, and go Royals!